Hi, I am Christina Dimitri. I'm an associate programmer at Berwick Film and Media Arts Festival 2021. I'm here with uh, the filmmaker Tim Leyendecker um, to have a conversation about his work, Feast, his debut feature film, which is being screened as part of the Berwick New Cinema Awards. Hi, Tim. Thank you for joining me. And it's great to be able to speak with you about this film. Yeah, hi, Christina. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really delighted to be part of, uh, of the Berwick Festival again this year. And we're happy to have you. Um, could you start maybe by just telling us a bit about how the idea for Feast started? Yeah, so, um, well, the first time it came, the news came out, uh, these three people were arrested uh, for um, inviting other, other men to their homes for sex parties. And then they, um, uh, they would uh, drug them by putting JHB in their drinks. And then they would inject them uh, with their HIV-infected uh, blood. Um, so this was uh, for sh- for a very short time. It was uh, was uh, very big news in the Netherlands, and um, you know the first headlines in in the, in the national tabloid. It said it, it said uh, HIV monsters, for instance, and you know this was really the um, uh, the way it was being talked about. And I mean, it was really hor- horrendous. So. Um, but then really soon after I started to read a little bit, little bit more about it and then it's in a way it's so obvious, but if you concentrate more on, on, on issues, you always see more uh, details. And well, one of the details was that uh, these that I read about was that these three guys just had regular jobs. You know, the one was a bartender, the other one is, uh, is a nurse and the other one is a uh, account manager, a manager for, for an energy, energy company. And this, idea of you know a monster being a nurse is something that doesn't um, uh, compute in a, in, a, in a way and um, so it was this uh, this really deep feeling of, of the banality of evil to that this idea that these guys were doing these horrendous things that that made me really interested in uh, in, in making a work about this yeah I can imagine that it was a really uh, sensational kind of media story at the time and because it is shocking and and uncomfortable um i only heard about it when i i first watched your film but but how did you approach working with such a a sensationalized story without falling into some of the usual media tropes what i was interested in was this dynamics that you just described it when you when you look at things from other perspectives or closer or other things appear it always happens of course Um, this is not something that we do a lot because you know we're busy and there's a lot of news and there's a lot, lot in our daily lives to cope with but well art and or film and art in general i think it's a it's, it's a fantastic place to to stop time and and and, and uh, investigate it from from other angles and so around the time i was also reading uh, the the banquet by uh, by platon or uh, the symposium as it's sometimes also translated in english and this is a text about where six men are trying to find the definition of eros and uh, of truth and, and, and beauty and love. Um, and so it's, it's, it's during a banquet and uh, what you could also say an orgy. Um, and these, these six guys, they, they have these, uh, these really elevated ideas and, and beautiful ideas about what eros is. Um, they all have their own uh, monologues and... So at the end of when everybody's finished, the seventh monologue is uh, is by Socrates, who is you could say 
maybe the, the end boss of, of, of this uh, of this story or contest it's almost uh, he says well you all did a great job you all uh, in, in trying to find this definition of of eros of truth and beauty but nobody spoke the truth actually because this is not possible you know and this is of course also socrates um uh, shtick you could say is something that he talks about a lot that uh truth is not something that you can can pin down it's always moving it's always in an well, in an elliptical movement so you know none of these uh, six monologues really well maybe contain particles of of, of subjective truth but you know it's uh, the truth was not spoken and and in fact of course this you can regard as a form of truth and so i thought what i was interested in, in what would happen to juxtapose something so evil or and so awful horrible what happened there in Groningen with something so beautiful and you know seven guys also looking for uh, what the definition of truth and beauty is and i wanted to see um yeah how that could work in a film on this idea of, of um, truth, I wonder if you could speak a bit about the uh, the sliding registers between documentary and, and fiction, because there are these interesting moments in the film when the audience starts to question what might be authentic, what might be real, is this person really who we think they are? Um, could you say a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So... What I really was looking for also in the film was to activate the viewer while watching the film. So for me, it's not so much, well, of course, there's also parts in it that, that can be immersive and um, I hope they are. Uh, but there are also really parts that I want to actively, the, the viewer actively to question the things critically uh, that they're watching. Um, it's also not a, not a contest, like what is true and what is not. But if you see the film, you you know that there's, well, the line is quite thin between what is real and what is not. And uh, we worked with, with actors and we worked with people that were really involved in the case. And sometimes um, these people that were involved in the case are in the film through, uh, or like mediated through, through, through these actors. And sometimes they're in the film and they're, they're the real persons. Uh, but of course, it's a very basic, but still a very interesting question to know what is real and what is not. And, uh, and also why we're so interested in that. I think what I hope people also get from Feast is that sometimes in fiction you can um, show a lot more and maybe be even a bit more truthful than you would be in a, in a, in a Talking Heads documentary, for instance. Um, so I, I, I really wanted to, to investigate that and how far you can go in, um, in this game between... Um, uh, the real and, and the staged. Mm. There's also something about um, news reporting or maybe also documentary where um, revealing is, is quite a crucial part, um, like perhaps seeing the face of an attacker or a victim or a kind of confession. Um, mm. Maybe it's part of like a, a social spectacle of, I don't know, suffering or morality or something. And it, it felt like perhaps you are sort of confronting this type of sp- spectacle in the way that you were ordering the images yourself hmm. yeah it's interesting i mean i remember uh, i was working with the with some actors and one of the actors he, he so he's portraying uh, one of the convicted and he was really he knew that i that i met them and um he was really interested in, in seeing his face of course one of the only possibilities sometimes is 
well, to be able to interview people is um, in cases like this is to have them anonymized. Um, and like you said, this is a strategy that's uh, what, that, that's widely used. And yeah, in the film, I also w- want to talk about what that means. This um, this anonymity and um, and also if you reveal something, what are you revealing? Is it actually a truth, or are you maybe um, making things even less clear by revealing? Mm. How was the the process? Um getting in touch with people involved in the case? Was it a long process? Was it difficult to explain your idea or, or build um, some kind of trust? Yeah, yes, it was a very long process. And one of the things that took a long time was to, well, to convince people to uh, work with me on this. Um, so there's someone in the film, like I said, I, I, I talked to the perpetrators and there's also someone really in the film who is a perpetrator, or maybe there are two. So I wrote him a letter when he was still in um, in jail uh, through his lawyer, and his lawyer told me that he wasn't interested. And then it it took two years when he uh, spontaneously um, or sent sent me a response uh, when when he was out of jail. And um, yeah, it took, it took quite some time to build up a relationship with him. And I also wanted that, so it was not just to, to, to be able to record it, but also to uh, really see if if it would be interested interesting to include him at all in the film uh, and in the end he said yes and and then at that moment we didn't really have a budget uh, but I I decided to, to dive in immediately because I was also a bit afraid that he would uh, change his mind um, so then we had a conversation of uh, well uh, two, two times six hours and uh, this uh, this also ended up in the film in the film there's parts that are very uh, fictionalized, you could even say theatrical. I co-wrote them with um, a playwright, a Dutch playwright, Geert-Jan Reinders, who uh, I've been admiring since I was very young. It was really fantastic to to be able to work with him. And what I really like in his way of working, and he, he, he's been doing this already since the 1980s, um, he, he made this uh, montage theater where he really samples different chunks of truth and, 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 and fiction uh, into something new. And this fitted, of course, very much what I was looking for. So I asked him to write dialogues for, for two of the sequences that are in the film. What we did was uh, we went to Groningen, which is uh, where, where these events took place, in, uh, a, a city in the north of, uh, of the Netherlands. Um, and we spoke to a lot of people. So we spoke, for instance, to one of the psychiatrists who worked with those three persons, uh, with the three convicted. Um, and it was, of course, all off the record, but still very interesting to hear about his ideas about the, well, the, the, the pathology or the character of, of, of one of these persons. Um, and we also talked to uh, people who worked with the victims, uh, the people who filed their complaints and um, uh, of course, this was also invaluable for uh, for the research. And in the end, so what Geert John did, a lot of this information is condensed in these in these dialogues. And then there's also this the banquet by Plato. Parts of, of these texts are also part of the uh, of the dialogue. So it's it's a very rich. There's a lot of sub layers uh, in in many of the sequences. 
It's really interesting to hear where all these different aspects um, came from. And I'd like to ask you about the the formal side. So you structured the film in, in seven vignettes, which are all a bit different in style and I believe filmed by a different cinematographer. What made you decide to, to do it in this way? Um, yeah, so I chose for seven DOPs or to work with seven DOPs because I really wanted to work with seven sets of eyes, you know, seven subjective, well, seven people looking at this case and to see what that would bring. Um, and quite naturally, you know, people, uh, DOPs bring their own cameras, their own lenses, their own people that they want to work with. So. Um, I spoke to one of the DOPs and he said, well, you know, we could, could have done this together. I, I can, I could have really easily made this into seven different styles. But for me, it was not, not about styles, but really also about the process of, you know, ne negotiating this film with seven very um, important players in, 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 in the making of film. You know, a DOP is, is so uh, influential in, of course, in, in how things look, but also in, in, in what the film is in the end. So... I was not only interested in these seven sets of eyes, but also in this in this process of, of working that through, uh, working the film through with these uh, uh, these image makers. The scene with the uh, the plant biologist really stuck with me. It feels like it's giving almost a perspective from the virus's point of view. Uh, could you say a little bit more about this scene? Katrina Sinetti, she's she's a microbiologist, uh, and uh, I knew her. I, I know her from from Rotterdam. She also makes uh, films. Well, we talked about her work, and, and and I saw some obvious similarities, and I was very interested in this one story that she told me about. Uh, there was this uh, tulip rage in the seventh century in the in the Netherlands. Like uh, the tulip bulb was a way to um, a means to speculate, as you see now with housing and, and other, yeah, so a commodity to, to speculate. And there were really insane prices and it was a bubble that people would pay for these bulbs and it was a bubble that burst also, not unlike what, what ha happened in the housing market in, uh, in recent times uh, in the West. And um, so she told me that one of the reasons that Judas became so insanely popular was the fact that um, they got contaminated um, by accident and uh, this contamination meant uh, visually that uh, the tulips went from one color uh, to from a monocolor to a duo or even uh, three colors uh, because the virus would uh, break the, the basic color of the tulip and reveal uh, another uh, color uh, and so this was a new kind of aesthetics that people were really, uh, really fascinated by. And this idea that, that a virus can also do something like this was for me, was new and, and very interesting. And yeah, like you said, uh, Katrina being someone who works with viruses a lot, looks at it from a very different perspective and from a very uh, practical perspective also. I mean, what she's doing also with vegetables, she's, she's looking how you, how you can really make vegetables stronger by by infecting them uh, with small doses of, of virus. And like she says in the film, the, 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 the virus is not out there to, to kill or to harm, uh, but it's there to survive, which is very harmful, can be very harmful to our entities. Uh, but it's not something, it's, it's not the goal of, of, of that virus. So indeed, 
it's a perspective that I wanted to add into the film, not, not, not to make a statement, uh, like one statement, because the film is not one statement, it's, it's seven uh, proposals. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting uh, perspective to have it there. I was thinking about, um, you know, what, what for an audience makes the film sometimes feel um, like an uncomfortable experience. And I, I wonder if a part of it comes from you as a filmmaker not showing a clear opinion or a clear judgment um, about these events. Mm. It kind of asks the audience to maybe respond themselves. And I guess in a way we're not used to this um, with a story such as this. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is one thing that happened when, I mean, when the film premiered in, in Rotterdam, there was a lot of uh, attention for the film, which was great in, in, the, in the Dutch press also. And one of the reviews was quite positive in a, in a good uh, newspaper. And But one of the things they said in it was that the film was made in defense of the perpetrators. And this really shocked me because... Um, it was really not something that I, that I want to do. And I hope also that for most people that see the film, uh, this is not what well, uh, this becomes apparent. Uh, but it made me realize that uh, once you don't take uh, a side in this, or a side for, for the victims in this case, for instance, um, it's, you're very easily being put in the other camp, in this, in this case, in, in defense of the perpetrators. And like you said, I don't think we are um, co confronted with the idea that that, that um, an artist or a filmmaker is not choosing sides. I mean, for the film itself, when I was making the film, I was not really thinking about it. Of course, I was thinking about Moretti, but for me, the framework was so clear <clears throat> that I made this film uh, not to make a judgment or take a side, but really to look at it from different angles. Maybe naively so, I was a little bit shocked and still sometimes I, I get this from people uh, that people see it differently mm. I guess it it's quite hard for people to feel comfortable with that space in between I think so too but and I think it's because we this is really not the way we especially now I think we're, we're very much used to communicating in ways that it's very important to define our opinions and to do that also in a very as short and eloquent as possible and like I said uh, in the beginning of the conversation I think uh, art and film can really give you that space to investigate and to put things on hold and, and, and to look at it from another perspective And how does uh, this feature length film, so this is your debut feature fit alongside your previous work um, which was more in the short format, um, other themes or styles of filmmaking, ones that you've used before? Yeah, so the idea of uh, deconstruction is very manifest in uh, in also the short films that I made. That I don't, you know, build up a, a narrative that's uh, just a chronological, or where you go, you know, where you, where you follow someone or a situation. Um, but it's also always really looking at what it means to uh, look at things. And uh, a film has a certain structure, and I always want to make this structure somehow part of, of the film itself. And what I hope happens uh, when, when doing that is also that it uh, creates space for a viewer, um, not just to engage with a story that a filmmaker wants to tell, but also to really critically look at it and, and, and see what that means 
for them to be looking. And I think my films are always, in a way, also about the act act of looking. Uh, working in a long form was was in a way very similar and very different than with short films. Obviously, it it, it, it took a lot of more time uh, to make this film, but also. You know, if you look at the dramaturgy, it's it's very different. If you if you have five or ten or fifteen minutes, or you really have eighty minutes, where you where you have to divide the attention and 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 and, and the, the ingredients of uh, the topics that you want to discuss in very different ways. And as a final question, uh, could you tell us a bit about what projects you're working on next? Yeah, well, I'm I'm working for a longer time now. I'm working on a, on a more essayistic film about objects and death and how we remember people and 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 places uh, through through objects. This this whole idea of uh, how we can feel attached to objects because they represent our our ideas and our memories uh, to people we've lost. I'm very interested in that that idea, so I'm I'm working on. A, safe film on that thank you so much tim for for giving us these really interesting insights to engage with the film more well thank you thanks a lot and um it was a great conversing with you